0: Welcome to the Rancho Cordova podcast. My name is Charles Lego, and I'm your host. On today's episode, we speak to William Glasser, who is the president and founder of Language World right here in Rancho
1: Cordova. And then the pandemic happened, and what happened was, sadly, is that all of these uh, medical appointments went remote. As you know, to get an appointment with a medical system, they want you to do video. You know, they don't really want you to come in as much as they used to. And so um, uh, subsequently all of the interpreting encounters just fell off and that was, we really made our, our bones on, on on sending interpreters to clinics for face-to-face interpreting.
0: Bill, welcome to the Roger Cordova podcast. Thank you,
1: thank you very much. I'm, I'm so thrilled to be here.
0: Why don't we start off, mm-hmm. and tell us what is Language
1: World? Ah, well thank you, great question. Language World is essentially, we call ourselves a language service provider and what that means is we provide interpreting which is spoken language um, translation which means if somebody doesn't speak english and they have a medical appointment that's of critical importance we'll either send somebody directly or via video or telephone to interpret from that language and into english
0: but i would imagine it's not only medical right i mean if someone has a legal problem
1: you know, most of our work is health and human services oh, and behavioral health. Okay. So it's, it's not specifically legal because there are there, it's a different type of interpreting.
0: Oh, program. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you see um, someone that's been arrested, they're mm-hmm. in court, yeah. and they don't speak English, and they have an interpreter, that wouldn't be you.
1: They're, those are court employees that okay. are part of that, that uh, okay. sort of cohort of interpreters. Okay. So your
0: company deals predominantly with health stuff.
1: We do, we do health, we do uh, education, so if there's a, a child whose parents don't speak English, we'll help um, the teacher communicate the, the lesson plans and things to the child in their own language, as well as behavioral health, which is a very big uh, subject as well. Okay, so I'm
0: Russian, uh-huh. I wake up one morning, yeah. and I don't feel very well, yeah. and I have to go to the hospital, yep. and I go to the hospital, and I say, I don't no speak English, Right. how do I know about you?
1: Well, in the old days, there would be a child that you would bring to the hospital that would be your child interpreter. And fortunately, those days are over because right. a child, first of all, shouldn't be privy to the, to the adult or the right. guardian's health info, as well as not being able to accurately interpret um, the messaging, uh, the complex medical instructions. So essentially, um, medical systems have contracts, standing contracts with language service providers like ourselves. And they can either request a human being to show up and, and help or through a variety of remote modalities like oh, video and phone. So the hospital
0: or the medical facility yes. knows about you and they call
1: yes, on we, behalf of the patient. Right. And we've been, we've been a, a, a vendor um, and a partner to Kaiser Permanente and Dignity Health and some, uh, in some instances, UC Davis Medical Center, certainly Sacramento County, City of Rancho Cordova. We, we help where we can.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. and who pays for that? Does the person pay, or is no, it a health medical no, uh, the, health insurance? Yes, thing?
1: the law pre- prevents uh, the, the, the the individual who doesn't speak English does not pay for it. it, okay. it is part of the it's uh, part of the whoever
0: pays Correct. the medical bill. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so on this podcast, we have a tradition. We get to know our guests. Okay. So why don't we start off? Tell us where were you born, okay. who were your parents, sure. and tell us about your early years.
1: Well, they were very uh, – it was an interesting thing. I know we have both of an affinity for um, film, the film business. Right. And um, my father was a uh, movie producer and director, and that's what brought him to Spain in the early 60s. So I was born in Madrid during the filming of Battle of the Bulge and uh, some of those old war movies. And in those days, uh, Franco, that was the sort of dictator of Spain at that time, uh, needed a lot of uh, currency. He And so this was a way, uh, essentially, of bringing in American dollars to Spain because it was difficult in those days. And so um, he made uh, 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 some some spy suspense thrillers, some science fiction films, but... Uh, in Spain, where I was born, was uh, the the year of Battle of the Bulge, which okay. is a famous war movie. So we talked before this podcast mm-hmm.
0: for quite a while yeah, about yeah. theater and everything. Yeah. So I'm going to blow your mind right now.
1: Okay, let me hear it. <laughs> so
0: I was actually born in Madrid. No way! And um, I lived in Madrid till I was maybe one or two. And then I moved to Barcelona.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: And I lived with my grandmother for the first eight or nine years of my life before I moved to England. What do you know? Yeah, so I was born in Spain as well.
1: W- was Franco alive back was, um, uh, Well, what year were you? I was 63.
0: I was born in 63. Yeah, so you would have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. that was it. I mean, I remember Franco. I you remember do. the whole. I mean, I don't remember him. Yeah. But I remember the discussion of Franco. Right. Yeah, and I remember when he died. Oh, boy. And uh, yeah, it no, was a big was, deal. It was a big Uh, deal. And in fact, just the other day, um, I um, looked at my birth certificate Uh and I found my address. Wow. In in Madrid, then I, you know, nowadays with yeah. Google, you yeah. can look, you can find it. Yeah, yeah. That's so that's amazing. A, yeah, yeah. So okay, that's so,
1: great. We we were both my my parents. My mom is still alive. My dad passed, but they consider consider those years in Spain the most wonderful golden years.
0: So you were born in Spain, yes, and you grew up there.
1: I grew, I, my first three years. And okay. so I went back to school there in my... Uh, so you uh, speak Spanish. She, yes, that's that's how the business started oh, in the garage. See. So with you my, speak Spanish very well. Yeah, yes. I because was. I a, don't speak it very oh, well. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. you would be speaking Catalan if you lived yeah. in Barcelona.
0: Yeah. I speak it to Rafael here because, yeah. you know, he speaks and yeah. there's a whole fur going on. Fat, la,
1: la, gra- yeah. Yes. yes. yes.
0: Um, okay, that's incredible. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's
1: how it all started. In... All right,
0: so you were born in Madrid. Your yeah. dad was a film producer. Yep, yep. What was your mother?
1: She, well, she she wanted to be an actor, and she is a great actor, um, but she just kept having children, (laughs) so it's hard that we have, there's five of us, two sets of twins and me, so she was so busy. Two sets of twins? Yeah, yeah, two sets, and I was the single birth and... uh, you know, in Spain, back in those days, we, we had a cook and a driver and a nanny, and I mean, wow. it was all, it was the old... So, was, your dad being a
0: film producer, mm-hmm. was he like an acclaimed film producer?
1: Well, he worked with a fellow by the name of Philip Jordan, who was pretty famous doing uh, El Cid okay. and uh, something, some some sort of days over, the big epic yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember
0: El Cid. Yeah. yeah,
1: El Cid's, you know, the Charlton Heston right, stuff, and, right. and so... Philip Jordan was his boss, and my dad, his reputation was when films went over budget, he was the hatchet man. Right. He would be brought in, and right. everyone's heads rolled, and so he wasn't very liked. And he would that. produce these films in Spain? Uh, he did. He was an executive producer. He did um, a film, which you may remember, was filmed in Shepperton or Pinewood as yeah. well. Uh,
0: Shepperton or Pinewood, yeah. I think one of those. Um, uh, Shepperton Studios. Yes, yeah. in, in London. Twickenham
1: yes yes um, yeah. it was uh, crack in the world okay with um, uh, oh my gosh Kieran Moore uh-huh. um, and so you know these are the old right. kind of science fiction films that, okay. uh, he had most of his films were honestly not very good <laughs> Yeah. His claim to fame was Return of the Fly, which was the sequel to the original Vincent Price. Wow. And okay. he made it for very little money and it, of course because it's a sequel yeah. everyone right. loved it. <laughs>
0: so then you came to America at 3? Yeah. Three?
1: 3 and we I was a Hollywood brat lived in LA. My dad stopped he was like early 70s he made his last film and then just, you know, retired for so the So where in
0: LA were you?
1: We were on the West Side of town, yeah. like uh, Westwood area. Yeah, yeah. Um, And and we lived there for years and years. So went you went to, to school there? Yes, I went to you know all the public schools, and I got into UCLA. God knows I'd never get in now, but back then it was like a community college, right. Three hundred dollars a quarter, and you know I just got a degree. I'm a terrible student, honestly. I yeah. Don't I shouldn't have? I know. always ask people how yeah. were they at school. Uh, so not good. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I was I was uh, hopefully meeting meeting females and I wasn't even good at that so right.
0: you know. <laughs> so when you were at uh, UCLA yeah. what did you want to be when you grew up so, kind of thing? I
1: wanted to be a movie director. You did? Oh yes and I, okay. I, uh, I did work at the uh, theater department over there you and did? of course it's kind of a thing with me but you know I realized that um, LA is a very difficult place to, yeah. to do that business. Right. And,
0: well, I mean, the competition is intense. Oh, yes, yeah. and
1: and you know what? I didn't like I didn't like what was happening to me growing up in L.A. Right, and in that milieu, because you sort of have to be this sociopath to yeah. make a movie.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you have to be very competitive, competitive, and cutthroat. And cutthroat, and yeah. it just wasn't
1: my nature. So I moved up here, okay, in so, Sacramento, and 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 I I never I never left. I really enjoyed it up here. Still. So do.
0: when did you come here?
1: My first uh, visit was I was an intern at the state capitol in, in, God, the early 80s. And I lived in Midtown. To give you an indication, my, my apartment was $400 a month, you know, a beautiful Victorian apartment in perfect part of Midtown Sacramento. And so
0: that's 2500 today. Oh, yes. easy If not yeah. three. Yeah.
1: Because uh, it was a large one. And I worked at the capitol and I had a good time. And but
0: what did you do there?
1: Uh, you know, I was an intern yeah. and I, I, you know. I, For I wor- any particular. Uh, yeah, Senator Petras. He was okay. a, 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 a very famous sort of union, liberal, Greek, uh, longshoreman, Alameda Contra Costa County okay. kind of guy. And yeah. he was legendary. Um, um, and, you know, it was so funny. Every morning he'd come into the office and he would hug all the women. You know, like, right. like a little too long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that would never work today. No, no, You're not no. supposed to hug your no, employees. They'd be knocking on the door today.
0: <laughs> saying, me too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so then what happened after the Well, Capitol? I got a,
1: journalism. I worked at the Sacramento Bee for a minute, but I wasn't a journalist. I worked at this little newspaper called the Suttertown News down in. Uh, Sacramento, um, just all sorts of jobs, constantly getting fired. I'm, I can't hold a job to no. save my life. And my, my friend from Spain, uh, uh, Jose Pepe, Pepe Fallos, um, he said, Bill, I'm going to come to the States. And, you know, he came and, I, you know, he, he slept on the couch and introduced him to his future wife. And, you know, the story goes on and on. Mostly he worked in restaurants until finally he said, I'm sick of it. I want to do something. And I had a friend who worked at the Shriners who got him a volunteer job as an interpreter for the, for the burn unit. And um, it was quite, you know, he loved it. And uh, he kept asking for money, and they said, no, you're a volunteer. And so he came up with the idea of, like, let's start an interpreting okay. agency. And that's not, how it started. Yeah, from Pepe. It wasn't my idea. I was I was unemployed and out of money. Wow. And uh, sure enough, um, we our first client was Sutter Medical System, and the second client was Women's Health at Kaiser, at Point West, Kaiser Permanente. And that's how it started. Wow,
0: very nice. Yeah,
1: with two guys in a garage. And today your office is your, like, headquarters in Rancho Cordova. Yes, yes. Uh, Right here on Gold Tailings, 2860. And it's a beautiful office. We have a little call center Uh where we have 20 uh, stations and we're speaking Spanish and English all day long in there. So how many people work for you? Well, pre-pandemic, it was about 200. It Um, was? Yes, we had a massive footprint all over the bay, everywhere. And then the pandemic happened. And what happened was, sadly, is that all of these uh, medical appointments went remote. As you know, to get a, a, a an appointment with a medical system, they want you to do video. You know, they right. don't really want you to come in as right. much as right. they used right. to. And so um, uh, subsequently, all of the interpreting encounters just fell off. And that was we really made our, our bones on, on, on sending interpreters to clinics for right. face-to-face interpreting. And that's, that's declined now? Oh, my gosh. Even it's, today? It's all video. It's all, it all remote. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a person-to-person, you know, guy. I've, I never wanted to start an agency that did things remotely because you get much better quality right. of interchange, right?
0: So if I go – so I'm back to my Russia. – I'm the yeah. Russian guy again, yeah. and I go back to, to Sutter, yeah. and I need an interpreter. So instead of someone coming, yeah. they're going to put me in front of a screen.
1: Ninety nine times. That around, oh,
0: OK. Absolutely. But how does that affect your business, though, because they has been it less sig- money?
1: Oh, yes. It's been significant. The problem is when you're a medical. So the people that purchase these services, they're always cost conscious. And so you find the smallest dollar and these multinational language companies and some of them are, you know, make three, four five hundred million dollars a year. They offshore they send uh, because it's all remote. You can be a, a Peruvian. A Panamanian, I a Costa see. Rican, and, you know, in Mexico, six, seven thousand dollars a year is an excellent salary. Right, right, That barely pays for a month in California. So your competition quadrupled, more, more. overnight, and yeah. we became a commodity. I see. Which was very complicated. So, what is the business today? Well, we're we fortunately we have a a a, a wonderful relationship with something called the Healthcare Interpreting Network, which is a U.S.-based um, network of. Um, top flight interpreters. We are the only private company that is supplying Spanish to that um, network, but they are um, interpreters who are employees at major hospitals all over the country in Chicago, Texas, uh, California, all over. All the, UC, all the UC medical systems are a part of this network. And so we, we get paid to provide Spanish on that network, as well as we have a, a partner that provides um, other languages. Uh, remotely, so we're 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 making progress. I, I,
0: so your clients, mm-hmm. your interpreting clients, mm-hmm. could be from anywhere in the country. Yes. Oh, yes, okay. Yes. So it's a national company. It's
1: a it's it's we're getting there. Yeah. Uh, previous to COVID, uh, we were in Northern California and very happily in Northern California. Right. You know, we had a lot because of, it was an impressive. Yes. Of thing. Yes. Yeah. And and we were staffing interpreters. We had um we were at Children's Hospital Oakland and UC San Francisco and. San Francisco General. We had a lot of basically staffing contracts, and so all of those evaporated, unfortunately.
0: And then, did um, so did you find the interpreters?
1: Yes, yes, and that so is. So how do you do that? Well, that is complicated. Yeah. Um, just because you're bilingual or supposedly bilingual right. doesn't mean you're good at this. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, just so so it takes a lot of time. We are one of the few agencies that does not hire contractors. We only use employees, and and as such. We pay for training we, we we test the language we have a mentorship program and so it's very complex in because and, if yeah. you're
0: translating for someone that's buying groceries that's yeah. one thing correct but if you're translating for a medical thing that's a little more complicated right
1: absolutely it's their life yeah exactly the, 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 the life is hanging on, on on a turn of a phrase right. or a word right you know in what, span- medication yes, uh, yes how you take the medication they're a great example and it's a it's a typical one and uh, people who know this are like oh that one but in, in English, take once a day, is spelled O N C E. But in Spanish, it's eleven, once. Oh, so so oh. so you've got so to be you very might take careful. 11. Yeah, don't take eleven. <laughs> yeah. You're just supposed to take one. And uh, so there are many. There's many many oh, okay. um, pitfalls. If so you will.
0: did you? So obviously you vetted the interpreters. Yes, did, did they have to pass a test? Yes, they
1: do. Absolutely, okay. a third-party um, uh, validated assessment that. You know, hey, let's have a Spanish conversation. Sorry, you're you've got to know how to say kidney stones,
0: right? right. And
1: and gallbladder and um, oncology and you know, my God, the vocabulary is overwhelming. Wow! And not only Spanish, but uh, uh, we support twelve languages locally, so okay. Korean and Vietnamese, Ukrainian, Hmong, Spanish.
0: It's your company, yeah,
1: yeah, okay. So we have we have. Um, employees and we have openings so if anyone's listening to this and if you feel like you have the the chops we'd love you to uh, Which
0: which language is in demand
1: Spanish always yeah always always Uh, Korean we are in desperate need of a Korean interpreter we'd love to 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 give them a a good part-time maybe full-time job Uh, Hmong is another language that we need Um, and of course Russian and Ukrainian now we're seeing a lot more refugees as you can imagine in in town so
0: if someone is listening and they're uh, a Ukrainian interpreter mm-hmm. and they think, well, you know what, this will be a good. Is this like a full time job or how does it work?
1: Some jobs are full time. Some jobs are, are part time. Some are on demand. And it's yeah.
0: so a contract and, kind
1: of thing. Yeah, it's it's you know, the, the unique thing is, is that we really need to know these people that work for us. We're not just going to say, hey, how's your Spanish? Cool, go to the kidney transplant appointment tomorrow. Well, there's a, a bit of a vetting process. right? And it's all on our website, of course, but, but we do want to train you. Um, once you have the linguistic uh, ability, then we have to turn you into a medical interpreter. So that does take some time, and, and we do that.
0: So back, I'm back, m- m- yeah. me, the Russian guy again. Yeah. So yeah. I go to the, to the hospital, yeah. and they say, okay, well, that's, you know, come back next week. Yeah. Is the same interpreter coming back with me? In the old days,
1: yes. In the new days, probably no. not. Okay. Probably not. In the old no. days, we'd call it continuity of care. Right. So it's because like, for
0: oh, me, yeah. I think you know, medical issues can be complicated, but you know, sometimes they're a little private. Oh my gosh! You don't really want people to, and you know, you don't want to be telling everybody your problem. So it, does that prove to be a challenge now that it's?
1: Yes. Or do people
0: ask? They want the same person?
1: There is. I'll tell you the bigger challenge. Here's a a bigger challenge. Geriatric patients that don't hear very well. Right. Um, And I have a great little anecdote of my mom at the hospital in Los Angeles, in Santa Monica, at the UCLA hospital. A very um, intelligent woman comes in. And my mom is about to be discharged. This is a a reverse story. And she's a nutritionist. And she's talking to my mom. My mom's in the bed. And, I'm, you know, you don't leave your parents alone in the, in the hospital too often if you can help it. And she's like, hello, my name is, you know, uh, Natalia, and I want to tell you about what to drink and eat and home. And, and you know, a whole 20 minutes of, of what to eat and not to drink because my mom was having a, 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 a digestion issues. So my mom turns to me after she left and she said, who was that? You know, what, did, what was that about? She didn't understand a word. Not one word. Right. And I thought to myself, here's a medical system who trained this nutritionist who's making a f- big salary with all the benefits and it's not working. It's not working in English or in Russian right. or in Spanish right. or in French because you know communication is a very um you know, it's a delicate process. Right. Google can't do it all. Right. You know. Wow.
0: Okay. You know, that's a story. Um so you also have Well, let's go back to you. So you, you, UCLA, Mm -hmm. and then you just start this company.
1: Well, I've had a lot of, let me just say, it takes a lot of failures to be a success. And so I had a lot of failures. Um, So
0: Language World has been around how long?
1: We started in a garage in 2000.
0: Okay, so 23
1: years. Yeah, 23 years. We used to be called Spanish World. Okay. Because my daughter, I thought, she probably thought it was like Disney World or something, you know, so. But, yes, it was Spanish world because we thought Spanish was the only language spoken in Sacramento. We were very wrong. And so we changed it to language world. And then Pepe uh, went back for to Madrid in Christmas and fell in love. And that was it. He, oh, he moved back home. say that yeah. <laughs> So baby. it's just you now? Yeah, it's just yeah. me. But I, it's better. It's It's hard to have partners. Okay. Yeah
0: and so we um when when we were preparing for this you yes. showed me a PSA yes yes um which it definitely i mean i was i didn't know what we were going to watch yeah. but the one thing i would definitely recommend anybody watch because your psa shows a an english speaking person correct trying to get medical care mm-hmm. with people the the hospital who does not speak english, no english. And for me, what struck home, I think sometimes you don't realize what it must be like to be in a problem, and then you go and they don't speak English, because people are not very patient. No. You know, like, you don't speak English? Well, sorry, I'm busy.
1: Right. Or they speak English very loudly, thinking that by raising your voice, it'll be understood.
0: So I would definitely recommend, and in a minute we'll tell people where they can watch it, Uh because I think if anybody ever has a doubt how difficult it would be, yes to this, this this, PSA that you have yeah. definitely drives it home. Well, I appreciate and that. And we'll put that on on the show notes yeah. of the thing where people can see it. So um, you also run a software yes. company? Tell us about yes. that.
1: Well, early on in my business cycle, um, this is a, another anecdote. Um, we had just started work at Kaiser uh, Permanente in Point West, and I got a call from an a OBGYN doctor saying, we need, a, um, we need an interpreter who speaks Korean. And I, you know, we didn't have anyone we knew about. So what I did was I um, found a person um, that was an interpreter for the courts. And she said, yeah, I'd be happy to do a, a women's health exam for you uh, at Kaiser. My, my half-day rate is $450. And I, I said, "There's no, the doctor is not making that money. How can I charge Kaiser for a a pelvic exam for $450 in Korean. That doesn't make sense. So we had to create an entire new workforce. And we had to compress the business of uh, uh, boutique interpreting into something more general and easier to charge and pay. Um, And so the software company was an attempt to uh, massively schedule and intake many, many assignments uh, on a daily basis, and then and then send it off to invoicing and billing and things like that. So the software company is still around. We're called Fluency, but we're about to rebrand into something called Tokani, with the tagline "All Things Language." So we hope that one day you'll be able to get an ESL class or practice your Mandarin or find an a translation of a document. All sorts of things. Oh, okay, that so
0: it's a language-based yes. software, yes. and where is that here as well? Yeah, right in here in Rancho. Same place. Yeah. Same place. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what is the plan for that to expand?
1: Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're going to make it a platform where if you want to learn a language, uh, practice a language, if you need a language translation or if you need an interpreter, uh, we also want to make something about um, we know that there's a lot of hate crime going around. We know that there's a lot of um, uh, injustice happening. And the problem with reporting is, is that if somebody doesn't speak English, they wouldn't know where to go. Right. So my dream, one of my aspirations is, is to use this platform to record issues that may be happening in Korean or Vietnamese or Russian or Spanish, and have that um, have my member agencies um, volunteer to interpret or translate so that the authorities can understand where these issues are happening, because the community, if you don't speak English, you're powerless. You really are uh, the victim of, of all sorts of issues. So uh, that's 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 a dream of where it's
0: And going. there's no plans for you to sort of get into the legal
1: side of things. You know, I have no interest no? in the legal side. I never. I, I was a legal interpreter for a minute, and it was just. Not, legal side, not not like buying a house, not no, that. I no. mean,
0: like um, law enforcement type law,
1: stuff. We well, no, there's there's. I, I, I let me correct myself. We have done a lot of work around human trafficking, because some of the victims do not speak English, and we and they need to. Um, testify or at least um, uh, uh, create statements in a safe place. Uh, And so we have been called um, through Sac County and some other uh, sheriff's departments to provide interpreting and translation, yes. In that case, yes. Okay. Uh, but in the typical sense of legal interpreting like worker's comp. Right, right. Which is... Um, so
0: going to see a lawyer, for instance.
1: Going to see a lawyer and trying to, um, you know, somebody is suing somebody else and it's very adversarial. Right. And it's just not as therapeutic as, as an interpreting.
0: So account. that, for me, it brings the question, I, you know, going back to your PSA. Yeah. So what if, you know, you, you are, you don't speak English. Yeah. And, you know, your landlord, for instance, gets up to some hanky-panky. Yeah. Then what?
1: Well, I would make a case that your landlord's always – whatever language you're speaking, it's right. going
0: to be up to something. But, I mean, you know, if you speak English, you yes. can at least take him on,
1: right? You would think. You would think. But what happens – so what happens to those people? That is a great question. That is a great question. I, I have a feeling that, you know, the, um, uh, the legal infrastructure – is very limited because it's it's a profit based business and and many oftentimes there is not enough money, to you know retain an attorney and go after a landlord for example. There are legal aid societies and there are you know volunteer interpreters but it's nearly not enough.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and what made you come to Rancho, to open you know to be headquartered in Rancho?
1: I had been dealing with the difficulties of having a business uh, in Carmichael. Not to not to berate Carmichael because right. you know I live there, but my businesses were on Fair Oaks Boulevard and the homeless situation was astronomical. Really? It was, it was just not. Uh, my my employees honestly didn't feel safe. Wow. I'll, I'll be I'll be honest and and Rancho is a whole different animal. Yeah. And I'm so grateful. We're two doors down from the police department and it's the best decision we've ever made. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I know exactly where you it, are.
1: Yeah, it's it's just so much. Uh, I, w- it just doesn't feel so tenuous. And right. so, you know... Uh, and you how never long know. have you been here? Gosh, uh, Jan- February of last year, we moved.
0: Oh, so you're new very to new, Rancho. Very yeah.
1: new, and, and it's
0: And uh, do you get involved with the city? And oh, my
1: gosh, yes. The, yeah. the, the the chamber has been remarkable, yeah. the Rancho Chamber. So
0: Diane Rogers, you know? She's yeah.
1: she's yeah. Uh, the connector of... Uh, a connector mm-hmm. unlike anyone I've ever met. Right. She knows everybody. Right. And uh, she's been wonderful. Yeah. And so it's been... Rancho Cordova has been absolutely remarkable. Right. Uh, and, and, and with new business, new ideas, new contact, new energy, in a nice, clean, safe place. I mean, right. who could ask for more?
0: Right, right, right. And then, um, so you still, do you dabble at all in the film industry now, or, you know, or not really?
1: Uh, <laughs> you know, most of it now is theater, uh, because yeah. my mom is, a, is, a, is an actor and um, she's, uh, she asked me to help, f- uh, I founded a theater with her up in El Dorado County, I told you a little bit about it, and so the movie bug has now turned into the theater, theater. bug, and, and I, I think it's a little easier than making movies.
0: So it's, you know, listen, we have never met until yeah. today. Yeah, yeah. We've tried to do this, I had to, right. we had to postpone a couple of times. Sure. Um, so we were both born in Spain, mm-hmm. we were both involved in the film industry, yeah. And now today we find we have a third commonality, right. and that's theater. Exactly. So here, attached to our film office, we operate the Calcat Black Box Theater, right? where we do live theater. It's a 70-seat theater. Yeah. And then you have a theater in El Dorado Hill. So tell us about uh, that.
1: Well, it's a, it's a little 51-seat proscenium thrust um, theater. It, it's a storefront. It used to be a karate studio. Which is, we're seat.
0: an office. Yeah, right? yeah, same so thing. We,
1: yeah. And I learned about storefront theaters because I've never seen one, let right. alone started one. I was in a play at uh, Cap Stage, Capital Stage. Yeah. It was called August Osage County. and um, So you're
0: an actor also. I, I was, yes. Yeah. I,
1: I, it's just too stressful for me. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. can't do it. But um, I was acting in that show, and uh, Harvey Jordan was a, a, a colleague actor. And he told me that he started a storefront theater in Stockton and Chicago and all these places. And I said, what's that? And I took him up to the space and he said, Yeah, I think this can do it. And online he found some chairs in a in a church in San Diego. I drove them down. I I installed them and
0: So you have movie theater type chairs?
1: Yeah, oh yeah. you do. Yeah, okay. it's really
0: nice. You gotta yeah. come up and yeah, see yeah, it. yeah no, I will. For I sure. wish. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah.
1: So yeah, it's it's a nice space and it feels like you're not in this little shopping. And how
0: site. long has it been there? Four years. Four years.
1: The first year we won an Ellie. Our very wow. first show was yeah. a cat on a hot tin roof, and it was just brilliant. Um, and we had um, uh, the lead in it, Brian Reif, he's a local actor, who's great. And it was just a stunning show. And we had a great season. And then COVID, we're closed two years, right. dead. And it was brutal. And, you know, in that time, I, I got all my fire permits and I got my lighting and, you know, all that stuff. Like, right. okay, I'm going to get this legal. And right. we got it legal. So, And how many shows have you done? Well, we've, did, we've done two full years. Yeah. So probably eight shows. We've okay. done music, stand-up comedy. You know, and it's basically, um, you know, the hard thing about theater, as you know, is that COVID made it dangerous. Right. And it's already an impossible activity. And
0: people are still a little, you know, some people are very reluctant. Yes. To still go to public assembly kind of things. And then
1: on the other side of the coin, if you're making me wear a mask, I'll never step foot in your theater. So you have to fight it both ways.
0: Well, I'll tell you a funny story. When we had, we... We opened this theater actually during COVID
1: mm.
0: or just, yeah, at the very beginning of COVID, mm. you know, we're all sitting around mm. and we think, okay, we're going to make a black box theater. Crazy. And then we open in our first show was July of 2020. Mm. And then we had a couple of other plays. Yeah. And now what do we do? Do we mandate masks? Yeah. Do we mandate vaccination? Yeah. How'd you do, do it? Do we do nothing? Yeah. So, I just did a survey with other theaters and basically copied them.
1: Yeah, that's what I did.
0: Okay. So, yes, you have to wear a mask. Right. And you have to show proof of vaccination. That's right. Everybody else was doing it. Yes. Okay. So, the anti-vaxxers would call and say, well, if you want me to show you vaccination, I'm never coming to your theater. That's
1: right. That's what I heard.
0: The ones, the people who were vaccinated, well, I am vaccinated, but the fact that you're asking me to tell you my medical history, I'm not coming to your theater. Oh
1: my God. You lose, lose.
0: Yeah, it Uh, was an impossible situation. And
1: then you're a public health officer all of a sudden. Yeah, and then
0: masks. I'm not wearing a mask.
1: Well, personally.
0: Or or, I'm not wearing a mask. Right. And if you make me wear a mask, I'm not coming. Right. Or the flip side. Right. If. You don't force everybody to right. wear a mask. I'm, not, I'm coming. not coming. I know. I know. It was like an impossible <laughs> it, situation.
1: And it's like, you know, the, there are no margins in this right. theater business. It's a right. lose, lose before right. you even get to a public health.
0: And position. on the flip side, you know, yeah. back in 2020 yeah. and, you know, to an extent, early 2021, you did want to be safe because it was dangerous. I mean, well, we people know. were definitely dying. Yeah. And I remember 2020, like, you didn't know if this was the end of the world, right? The way everybody was talking, it was like the end. Absolutely. And it wasn't until the vaccination. So, yeah, theater is a very tough gig.
1: It's... Uh... Ridiculous, yeah. I mean, but if
0: you do it, it's very satisfying, yes, it's yes. rewarding, and it's a bug for sure. It's a bug, and it seems. I have a feeling you have that bug, yeah. I, do, yeah. I used to call it legalized gambling <laughs> because you know, you would do a show and yeah. you would sell out, and make yeah. money, right. you would do the next show and you do okay, right? Then you do the next one and you lose everything, everything, yeah. So it's uh. So that's good. But your main thing is running language. Yes, lives. yes.
1: That's my day job, yeah. as it were, and the software company to support that. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's a beautiful, uh, it, it is my passion because, yeah. you know, when I lived in Spain, I went back to Spain to live. Um, and the thing about, um, the thing about language is if, if you live in a different country that is not your native language, you'll never quite know that language. You'll get very close. Right. And uh, but if in times of stress, you'll revert back to your native tongue. Right. And and so I always felt like that language was the great equalizer, and that everyone speaking the same language or at least understanding each other, there's some hope for you right. know peace and happiness for everyone. But
0: you know. So do you like language as a as a role? I mean, like linguistics and.
1: I, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm like the you know the 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 intellectual guy around language, but. Um, Language is culture, and yeah. language is the operating system of human beings, and Google and AI and all right. these people right, are trying right. to dance around those edges, yeah. and we do that at our own peril. We must yeah. have human beings involved in our language, <laughs> right. whether it's um, you know writing news article I'm reading about uh, – was it Sports Illustrated that's using the AI robots to – Type all their news articles. Oh, really? So they don't need reporters anymore. Wow. And so you know, increasingly yeah, humans bis-
0: will be yeah, obsolete. Yeah, so. It's
1: like what? What? Are, what are our creative people going to do? Right. You know? So
0: when you are going back to your interpreters, how? Yeah. I mean, you speak Spanish yeah. very well, but how would you um, verify a Korean yeah. speaker? How do you do that?
1: Well, we have a whole testing regime now. There's a there's a there's a organizations and businesses that provide. Um, We call them validated assessments. And so what it is is um, to create a test isn't just you and I, how do you say, um, banana split or give me a coffee or where's the bathroom or one more beer, please, in Spanish. That's not a true language test. It has to be validated with, um, you know, certain scientific instruments that linguists provide us. And there are certain standards of testing that, that we all hew to, for example, Uh, The ILR standard, International Language Roundtable, these are what the Foreign Service uses for their uh, diplomats. And so there are certain um, uh, sort of um, bases in which we can deliver tests from a third party, because if if it's me testing you, I'm already going to be biased because I want you to work for me, so I'm right. going to say, "Yeah, you're good enough. Come right, on aboard." Right, right. But we have to use a third party that's that's a validated. Oh, okay. uh, person. So you
0: have a third. Oh yes, the, the yeah. arbitrator is you, the third you, person. You
1: can't you can't do it and okay. That's like you being a big law firm and you grading the bar exam.
0: Right. right. You know. And you yeah. get to.
1: Right. Oh, I want you in my firm. You're going to pass.
0: Right. You know. So, Bill, as we come up to as we come to the end here, what? Um, so, for anybody listening and they're looking, you know, they speak another language. Yep. What language speakers are you looking for? What is your shortage right now?
1: Actually, uh, actively, we're looking for Spanish. Uh, it is the most still. Deep. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Absolutely. You need
0: a lot of Spanish. We
1: just, we just can't get enough. Wow. <laughs> so we'll just say, as a rule, Spanish, a uh, standing, standing order for as many as we. And can is find. it
0: male or female
1: or either? Either gender doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, it's really about their somebody's linguistics. Are they able to? Render but if it's a
0: female at the hospital, would you try and pair them with a female?
1: Yes, clearly there are some exams and yeah. um, encounters that would require that. And of course, in other languages like Arabic and and Pashtu, Dari, Farsi, um, these very much so, you don't want to have a fe- uh, a male interpreter for a well, female. No, that would be a problem. Encounter that's yeah. culturally inappropriate. But um,
0: so Spanish, Spanish,
1: Korean for Korean. sure. Yes. Um, Basically any, any of the Asian languages is always in demand. Um, uh, Cantonese is a specifically difficult language right. And then um, we've been noticing an uptick obviously in Ukrainian yeah. Uh, Russian language. Are we uh,
0: getting refugees here? Yes, yes yeah. we, are.
1: Yeah. we are. We have a very large Ukrainian population yeah. that was existing years ago, Right. Uh, back at the end of... Um,
0: but are people coming here from Ukraine yes, like to yes. escape? Yeah.
1: Yes, we have some very large uh, churches yeah. here. And yeah. they're very much involved in, in, in helping resettle. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So that's okay. true. Uh, so yes, those are the languages. But languageworld.com is the website and there's a career tab and it'll take you right to... The job openings.
0: So anybody, whether they're looking, they feel that they can work for you, yep. or they need your services, mm-hmm. so languageworld.com. Yep, that's it. And why don't we give it a
1: plug in Spanish? Oh, vaya. Uh, nuestro sitio de web es languageworld.com y estamos buscando intérpretes uh, en español, en coreano, ucrania y ruso, y también mandarino y cantonés.
0: Very good. Yep. I understood all of that. Yeah, not bad. Well, <laughs> you you gave me a test. I yeah. wasn't ready for that. <laughs> um Rafael Graju, he's listening.
1: Okay. Um
0: and then let's, tell us about your theater. What's your next show there?
1: The next show, this weekend opening, it's yeah. called Becky's New Car. What uh, is that about? Um, Give us a little rundown. A woman having a midlife crisis that she shouldn't be having because wow, she has a great okay. life. And that sounds good. Decides to turn her life upside down. And it's a comedy. It's a wonderful show. Elizabeth Nunziato, who is a uh, uh, dear friend, is our artistic director and director.
0: And she's got good credentials, right?
1: Well, she's a B Street uh, regular from yeah. the old days. Right. And, and she's just a remarkable human being. And... An amazing director, and the and, and uh, she took over Ed Claudio's old actors' workshop. Right, and Ed Claudio was my teacher, and right. so we have that in common. And
0: and how long is that running for?
1: Uh, it's the next four weekends. Okay, uh, Saturdays so, and Sundays.
0: So where can people find
1: that? That's uh, the stage at Burke. Uh, is the uh, uh, website, Stage at Burke. You can do Facebook. Stage? Uh, uh, I didn't catch that. At Burke. Uh, B-U-R-K-E? B-U-R-K-E? Is, yeah, Burke is uh, It's located in a um, shopping center called Burke Junction.
0: I see. In Cameron. See. So Stage, A-T, B-U-R-K-E. B-U-R-K-E. Uh,
1: dot com? S- dot com. Stage okay. at Burke.com. And uh, we also do uh, comedy, stand-up comedy once a month, hopefully more. Uh, but we found people like to laugh. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Yeah, yeah.
0: Especially nowadays, <laughs> they need to laugh.
1: Yeah.
0: And you're right there in El Dorado Hills. Yeah,
1: Eldorado, Just we're just east of El Dorado um, uh, Hills, and just west of the Red Hawk Casino. We're right in the middle of those two spots, and right off Highway 50. It's part of the old Sam's Town. People that have been in Sacramento for years and years remember Sam's Town, which was an old roadside attraction. That's now a supermarket, unfortunately. But we're the little living shopping center right. that's from those days. Okay.
0: And are yeah. you active
1: with the theater? Yeah, uh, the the actual theater there yeah. or in general? Uh, you know, I used to act. I don't. No, no. I mean, know.
0: do you oversee? Oh, yes. I've yeah, got, yeah. <laughs> You're I, a I very have to,
1: yeah. I have to find props. Yeah. You know, uh, it took. So you me, produce the shows? Yes, I'm producing yeah. oh, okay. it. okay. You know, and I'm uh, trying to create the. You know, it's a nonprofit, so you have to work on the board right. and right. all that sort of thing. But I, I love it. I, I run the box office. We have a beer and wine license, you do? too. So that was wonderful. Yeah. So we're trying to, you know, make it work. Okay
0: it's a yeah, it's a party. Well, Bill, we're coming to a close here, but yeah. we always end these podcasts with a series of quick fire questions oh, that boy. are fun. Okay. And I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh dear. So, let's start off. So, tell us what is one word that best describes you? Um uh wow, one word. Um fun. Fun. I I hope. think I would agree having met you today. <laughs> <laughs> We, we've spoken more off yes. microphone than yeah. we have on microphone. That's right. If you could be one person for a day besides yourself, who mm-hmm. would it be and why? Jeez.
1: Living or dead? Either one. I'd like some
0: to... people do living. Some people do dead.
1: I think I'd like to be Stanley Kubrick for a yeah, day. Yeah.
0: That would be a good one. I
1: would, I'd like to see what life is like in Stanley right. Kubrick. Or Peter Sellers. That would be number. Peter Sellers. Maybe Peter Sellers more than Stanley you Kubrick. Know, I manage Kubrick. Britt Eckland. You do. I went to school with uh, Victoria. Victoria Sellers. Sellers. I know her very well. I, she was in my high school. She in was. Yes, in uh, L.A. In LA? Yeah, yeah, I know Victoria. To... I know because I also worked
0: with Heidi you Remember Heidi? Oh Flash? yes, Heidi. Fleiss. So back, Heidi Flash and Victoria Sellers are very good friends. That's right. And I know Victoria very well, and then I manage her mother, Britt Eklund. Britt Eklund. Yeah. What a what a wonder. Peter Sellers. She,
1: she was XY. amazing. Yeah. Beautiful woman. Yeah. No, but but uh, Victoria Sellers was a. She was a character. Even yeah, in yeah. high school, she right. was a character. Yeah, no, I'm. That's so funny.
0: Um, what's your biggest pet peeve? Uh, cheap. People are cheap. Cheap? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cheap. That's. Raphael, don't go it. At... Why are you pointing at me? <laughs> <laughs> I understand it. Yeah. But, but because my dad was a movie producer, right. you know, so right. it's like, oh, but I totally understand it. <laughs> He
0: immediately pointed at me. Well, I get it. And we're going to have a word. Um, what's your favorite film of all time?
1: Boy. Jeez, I have several because I'm a big movie. You know, people,
0: buff. I I have here an impossible question. When people ask me that question, yeah, yeah. I think to myself, yeah. what a stupid question. I know. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a stupid well,
1: question. Well, I love um, Bunuel films, obviously. He's a genius. Uh, Simon of the Desert is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, I love Dr. Strangelove, of course, Um, uh, uh, which was a Kubrick film. Um, I wish I could say I love one of my dad's films, but they didn't even come close. Right? Um, Well, do you call them B films? Yes. Actually, he gave Roger Corman. My dad was managing a studio. Wow. And Roger Corman came to his studio. That was his first film in my dad's Well,
0: you know, I mentioned that we we organized the Documentary Film Festival. Yes. And last year, we had a film about Roger Corman, a documentary, really? and we were very close to having him attend. Wow. He very, but he's, he's like old. 92. He's
1: old, he's old. And he
0: had attended, a couple of weeks earlier, he had gone to the Palm Springs.
1: Oh yeah. Film documentary Festival. Film Festival.
0: Yeah. And um, he was very close to cover. We we screened the film, I, I can't remember what it, do you remember what it was called, Raphael? But it was a documentary about his films yeah. and yeah.
1: Well, he was the guy that could, you know, make magic happen for nothing. You know? So right. that was he's the most resourceful guy in Hollywood.
0: OK, the so next one. I'm looking through Netflix or yeah. any other streaming service in your household. Mm-hmm. What am I going to see you watching?
1: Jeez, I like documentaries a lot. Um, I loved White Lotus. That was yeah. a great one.
0: Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh yet. Oh, yeah.
1: Fabulous. That was great. Yeah. Um, There were others. Uh, I like that one. I forgot the name of it, but she was the chess player. Oh yeah. Uh, She was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. That was just just some 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 of those kind of like right. You know, series or fun. Yeah. Um, But I like the old um, I like the old war movies. I like the you know 40s, 50s, 60s stuff. Yeah. Because it was my era that I would watch. Right, Um, right. And to a lesser extent, um, you know, maybe some of the uh, historical ones, but anything with Humphrey Bogart.
0: Yeah. Anything at all. Okay. This one's going to be easy for you.
1: Do you have any hidden talents? Jeez. I can juggle. Yeah. And uh, not Spanish isn't so hidden. Um, Yeah, I I make a pretty good tuna melt.
0: Yeah, well, juggling is good. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, what project are you working on today that you can't stop thinking about? I wrote a play. You
1: have? I wrote a play.
0: Okay, so tell us about that. I wrote a play during COVID. I have this ambition to write a play. Oh, my God. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's it's obsessive.
1: So I wrote this play thinking, well, first of all, because, you know, I was uh, COVID. We were all in our houses, and, you know, we couldn't see anybody because it was, you know, whatever. And I wrote a play about our relationships with dogs, and it's called For the Love of Dog. Okay. And it's basically the – it's a play about – if our dogs could speak, what would they? Wow. What would their impressions be of us? Right. And and they don't really get to vote on their life. They just got the owner they got, and now they're a therapy dog when in fact they may not want to be a therapy right. dog. So it's sort of if the dogs could talk.
0: Kind of wow, is it finished?
1: Uh, it's done. I think I need a rewrite, and I'm terrified I've, I've been. How writing.
0: many pages is it?
1: It's about fifty six pages. Okay. I think it's an hour and yeah. ten minutes. We did a Elizabeth Nunziato helped me with the table read which was great. So if you do it, yeah. you have dogs? No, they're humans playing dogs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's one scene which you may like. The therapy dog needs a therapist, so he goes to a dog that's a therapist and they have an energy.
0: I think you, I'm going to encourage you to pursue that. Okay.
1: Good. I think
0: that's that sounds... We'll do it at your theater first and I'll then bring we'll bring in. it here. I'd love it. Yeah, i love yeah. it. We'll, well, We'll co-produce it. It's
1: a nice black... I wrote it just for a black box. Yeah. That's exactly it.
0: Well, um, William Glasser, thank yes. you very much you. for being with us. William Glasser, the president and founder of, Langu- of Language World. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your time My and pleasure. for being here. And it's great. We, have, we found out we have a lot in well, common.
1: We've got we to do theater and film and documentaries and everything. Right. You know?
0: right. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to the Rancho Cordova podcast. And until next time.